New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Lisa Smart. She's the author of Words at the Threshold, What We Say as We're Nearing Death. Lisa, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. It's great to be here. As a, a linguist, and that's your background, your education, and your research as a linguist points to a profound space that we can share with those who are on the threshold of dying. And I'd love to hear what your advice is to us as the best practice for us to be in that very sensitive space. Mm. Well, one of the things that I've learned about words at the threshold is sometimes they can be very, very puzzling and confusing and also symbolic and metaphoric. And during this time, which often is scary enough and bewildering enough and often grief-filled, I invite people to imagine the possibility that the words that they hear are sacred words. And one way of entering into the magic and the mystery of those final words is to write down what you hear from your beloved And even if they seem scary or confusing or bewildering, write them down because they may give you some insights, may lead you into new ways of thinking about yourself and about your loved one, about death and about life. I want to really underline that, Lisa, because I noticed when I read your book, Words at the Threshold, and as I was going through it, I took pages Uh, Here, I'm just showing you. Here, Justine's personal experiences (laughs) of the words at death. I wrote down about Michael's mother, my husband's Mm -hmm. mother, my former husband's mother, my own mother, Michael. Suddenly, I'm recalling all of these words that I did not write down, but I'm remembering some of them. I wish that I had written them down, and that's the point that I'm saying, because as I read your book, these words came flooding back, and they made more sense to me, even though it's been years since somebody has died. They just now come back to me like, oh, that's what they meant. You know... Many of us who have been in therapy or kept dream journals, sometimes we'll write down dreams and they don't make sense at the time, but in time we may look back and the symbols or themes that emerge later on, we can put the pieces together and they become clearer. Or sometimes with another person, we can better understand the dream time symbols. And the words of the threshold have this metaphoric dreamlike quality. So we might hear our loved one talking about going on a big trip somewhere or waiting for the big dance. Uh, My father said to me things like, get the oxygen tank, we're going to head over to Las Vegas. (laughs) Well, you know, my father was a gambler. So in terms of his life, that made a lot of sense. But Those were words that were nonsensical on the surface. And yet as I wrote them down and understood, it was as if I entered into dream time with my father. 
and our connection became deeper. And also I came to understand more about my life and my life with my father through them. You know, I'm just reminded when my mother, uh, she went back into the hospital for one more round of treatment for cancer. And uh, we knew it was pretty hopeless by then, but she wanted this one last time. And I was the one who went into her hospital room and, you know, talked to the doctor first about whether or not we were keeping her alive by mechanical means. The doctor said, oh, no. And I said, okay, so if we unplug her, that means that she'll, she'll be able to live. And he said, well, well, no, <laughs> no. And I said, well, it's time to unplug her because she always said, just don't leave me plugged up. So I went into her room and um, the doctor agreed with me that it's okay to, to unplug her. I went into her hospital room and she just brightened up when she saw me. And then her next words were, what's wrong? And I said to her, I said, mother, it's time to come home. Mm -hmm. That means that we would unplug you from this. All this machinery may be sustaining your life. Mm -hmm. And she said, I can't hear you. <laughs> and it took me so much nerve to even say that. And so then I said it to her a second time. And she said, now you're speaking too loud. <laughs> the third time I said those same exact words, Mother, it's time to come home, and this machinery may be sustaining your life. Mm -hmm. She actually had a broken arm. I mean, it, just mm -hmm. the bones had disintegrated in mm -hmm. part of her upper arm. And with that arm, she flipped her legs off the side of the bed, and she said, let's go. <gasps> And I said, well, wait, 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 we have to get an ambulance and we have to set up a bed at home and so forth. And so I, so I had to slow down the process. But it took her those three times. The doctor said that I didn't have to talk to my mother about going, that he would just dismiss her from the hospital. It was okay. I didn't have to talk to her. And I thought, oh, good. I don't have to say anything. But a hospice person was in the waiting room. And I sat in the waiting room before I went into Mother, and he started talking to me, and I told him what was going on, and he said, you know, you need to talk to your mother, you know, would you like to practice with me? <gasps> that was so sweet yeah. that I knew, I, at first I thought, oh good, I don't have to drink from this cup. <laughs> but then I talked to him, and I knew, oh yes, I do have to tell my mother the truth, and I do have to ask for her permission that's what you're bringing to us are these these precious moments not to be afraid of them but to use them and savor them and it's a sacred space as you talk about in your book and when you tell your story i'm so impressed with your courage because it's so difficult you know i say in my book that when we're at the threshold with those we love we're both tourists because it's unknown territory and guides. And, you know, it's a very difficult dual role to be in, to have to wear both hats. And sometimes the language helps us. And what's remarkable to me in the story you just shared is you said it's time to go home. And when you said, use those words, it's not clear what home you're talking about, right? On one hand, you were going to take her home, right? to the physical home. But on the other hand, you were saying, whether it was conscious or unconscious, that bigger home that we know from our research in the words of the threshold is one of the most common things people refer to is referring to the home. So what beautiful words you gave her, because even though 
she was grappling with the reality of those words, you intuitively chose, I think, just maybe just the right ones, right? That happened in 1979, mm. but not until this moment <laughs> did are you you brought home to me what home was really what she was really grappling with. I was thinking bringing her home to a physical home, and she was grappling with home to her home, that next reality. Possibly, right? This is the thing that I found about words of the threshold. It's the language of dual realities. People have one foot in this world and one foot in the next, and those of us who enter into it with open hearts can also, as tourists and guides, have our foot in both realms. And that's what it sounds like you did, you know, unconsciously. And to stay open to those possibilities, one of the things I found at the end of life is people frequently use what I call hybrid nonsense. They may say something like, please massage my feet so I can get down the rabbit hole. They may ask for something in the material, physical world referring to the unseen realm, the rabbit hole. So, you know, with your mother, you may have actually had your foot in both worlds with her. And so you play with that language. You don't resist it. And am I helping you down the rabbit hole? Is there anything I can do to help you down the rabbit hole so it's more peaceful for you? And one of the um, chaplains who I interviewed for the book shared a story where uh, it was at a hospice, and this person said, oh my God, you've got to help us. We can't figure out what to do with this person. They're screaming for their passport. We don't know what to do, what they're talking about. So she sat down with this person and said, so you're looking for your passport? And the person said, yes, I'm stuck between countries. I'm stuck in this one, but I want to go to the next. And she just involved him in this conversation. And there really wasn't any real passport Oh, you know, there was somewhere hidden away in a drawer somewhere, but really he was asking for a passport to another dimension, another place. You know, we don't fully know, but we know that those are the kind of words you hear in the final days. And also another example in your book was um, Yokiko. There was no radio playing, but she was struggling with this radio station that was making her agitated. And the person who was with her helped her out. Do you remember what they did? Yes, they just went into conversation about, well, what would you like us to do with the radio dials? You know, how would you like it? And they just, as you would maybe with a child that you love, enter into that world. And they adjusted the volume of the radio. And then Yukiko said, yes, yes, that's much better. Thank you so much. And who knows what that other realm is? I don't think any of us know for certain what lies beyond the threshold. And... That's why for me, as I've done this work, I believe it's an invitation to walk into it sacredly and with the possibility that we're entering into something that's very special and cross-dimensional. You know, going back to the story of my mother, I remember talking to the doctor before I went into her room and He was worried for me because he described as this terrible, terrible way that she might die. He was trying as best he could to prepare me for that. And I heard him, and I must say she died very, very, very peacefully. None of that took place. But anyway, I'm sitting there ahead of time, and I remember saying to him, well, Dr. Drake, As human species, we've been dealing with this for a long, long time. And I'm not unique. 
I know that his whole framework was towards life and fighting against that. But you're talking about a way to be more easeful with this whole process. And as we're at ease, it helps our loved ones. Yes. And it's sort of a synergistic process because what I've seen for myself and with others is that as we listen more closely and enter into the realm or to the world of those who are dying, if we enter into it kindly and lovingly and with full presence, some really remarkable insights come and we can feel many times closer to source. And as we feel closer to source and we can share that with our loved ones. However, I'm not going to sugarcoat the reality. We're physical beings. And in some ways your doctor spoke some truth. It can be really painful and difficult, just like birth can be what we might think of as ugly on the surface. We are physical beings, and it does seem that when the threshold opens on either side, it's not always easy. However, to hold both sides, through birth and through death, with a sense of sacred wonder, and to realize that at the end of life, language may track more than just sheer deterioration of the mind. It may actually be an entryway into another way of being and thinking that we may not fully understand, but to live and open our hearts to that realm can, as you said, help everyone involved. Oh, Lisa, thank you so much. I'm just so grateful to you and your work. And I encourage people to look up this book because we'll all experience this at some time or another or have, and it'll make more sense once we read your words. Lisa is a linguist and author of Words at the Threshold, What We Say As We're Nearing Death. And she's also the founder of the Final Words Project. And if you want to know more about that, you can go to her website, finalwordsproject.org. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. Lisa, thank you so much for being with us today on the cafe. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe and invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.